Glory be to God. We're going to look at Proverbs 19 again. Every proverb chapter in the book of Proverbs, in every proverb and every chapter, is so full of meaning because the Lord has given it to us. And so we can never exhaust the Proverbs by way of reading and understanding and continue to grow. We've only looked at this perhaps once or twice. We're going to listen to God's word this morning. How precious is the word of God. Proverbs chapter 19. Someone can read. If, only if you have a good connection, please, with no background noise. And if you can read clearly and loudly and extra slowly. This is the way some of the audio Bibles have it. Maybe not at all, but some of them, or at least one I know of, where the reading is particularly slow. We need to hear every single word as if it's precious morsels, pieces of bread that is so rich because this is a heavenly bread. Someone please read 1 through 15. And someone else can read the rest of the chapter. Again, please read it extra slowly, loudly, and clearly. Proverbs 19, New King James. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. The foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. Is it possible, Jody? I'm sorry to interrupt you. If you can just mm-hmm. rewind, if you will, from verse 1. and If you can read it even slower, that would be great. Thank you. You're welcome, Pastor. Proverbs 19, starting at 1. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge and He sins who hastens with his feet. The foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. 
He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise God. Proverbs nineteen sixteen NLT. Keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising them leads to death. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Loyalty makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor than dishonest. Fear of the Lord leads to life bringing security and protection from harm. Lazy people take food into their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. If you correct the wise, they will be all the wiser. Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment and a public disgrace. If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. A corrupt witness makes a mockery of justice. The mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Punishment is made for mockers, and the backs of fools are made to be beaten. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We hear the Proverbs again, verse by verse. One of the cautions that are important when we read books like the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, is that because of the 
poetic wisdom that we see because of the structure, because often the verses are self-contained, each verse with a particular truth. As we mentioned, the couplet usually have two parts to the verse. And sometimes they will contrast two truths, a positive and negative, or they'll amplify a single truth within the verse. Twice, we may hear about the same theme. One verse building on, or one part of the verse on the other. The danger of hearing such arrangements of truth, as in the Proverbs, is we can go into a sleep mode because of the rhythmic nature, almost like a lullaby, of reading them. It's not a narrative, and so many people's interest and their attention and their understanding may suffer. However, when we approach it for what it is, whether it's a narrative, words of wisdom, pithy sayings, they're all good for our soul. We need it desperately. It's important for us to look at each verse as a story, and that's why the Spirit of God will expound on the verses. Each one has a story. And the other caution is that when we read it, it's possible for us to not stop and actually consider what does this mean in my life, rather than just reading it as some nice, wise sayings, and pick and choose which one I like to think about. We're called to think about all of them, although some will have more pertinence than others, naturally. But if we approach the Proverbs with these two principles in mind, number one, that is possible to not be as interested in them in the natural because they're not a story they don't read as a story or stories it's not a narrative but nevertheless we know that it's true it's the truth of God we give our full attention and that's why the emphasis on reading it slowly because they really do pack so much in each verse and it's easy to gloss over them and second danger that we should watch out for is to not think about each and every one of them with the concentration they deserve and think about personal application. First, we may look at a verse that has to deal with or has to do with children and think, well, I don't have any children or I don't have any children living with me or the children are long gone from the home into their own adult lives. Therefore, what good is it for me to read such a verse that says, chasten your son while there is hope? Otherwise, you'll ruin his life. It's too late. But no, we hear the truth, and we may have regret, and we take it to the Lord, and we confess. It's important to see where we have failed, and then confess it to the Lord, and then ask his mercy, forgiveness, which he will give readily to anyone who is sincere and humble because he's so good. And secondly, to say, Lord, would you redeem this situation? 
they may not be under my roof or they may not be small where I can truly discipline them and they would listen. Now, we've come to a point where they just don't listen. The weapon of prayer is very effective to the person who's righteous. It'll be effectual and fervent and yield great results. We can still pray for those who have children at home. We can change our ways in how we train them or don't train them. Those who don't have the children there, we can pray and say, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. If I couldn't do it by my words, Lord, because I failed, let me do something through my prayer. God can work wonders still. Thirdly, those who have children who are gone and perhaps they have their own children or they're about to get married or married and waiting to have children, we can pray that this will come true in their lives, at least in the lives of the posterity, down to the grandchildren, that God would do something to bring someone, if not our own children, who have their children, someone to intervene in the grandchildren's lives that they do not turn out the way their parents have. I was thinking of a particular individual during the night while I was praying. And uh, this individual has a child. And the parent is nowhere near pleasing God. Has not been. An innocent child is there. And the child has to suffer because the parent is not there sharing the wisdom of God by example and teaching. What I did was I prayed for the child. Not my own child. Certainly not my grandchild. We don't have any grandchildren. But I was praying for this particular grandchild of a believer. The child of an unbeliever, effectively speaking, though the person professes to know Christ. And I prayed, Lord, let this child of the unbelieving parent, the grandchild of the one who's walking with God, have a radical change even from his formative years. That he would not turn out like the parent, but would become godly. Not even suffer the consequences of disobedience from the believing grandparent who had a change, but certain consequences follow for all of us when we disobey. I prayed, Lord, let this child not go through any of them, but have a strong will to serve the living God and to please Him. We can take a verse like that in Proverbs, chasten your son while there's hope. Don't ruin his life. And apply it in various ways. For those who don't have children or who don't have a particular concern as desperate as for another child because their children are walking right. We can go to prayer. We can pray that the living word would be heard by that child and it would take root. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As is written in the book of James.
this is how we can appropriate each verse rather than gloss over it and immediately do a mental check and say this doesn't apply to me every single word every single word and we've alluded to this before when it came to marriage for those who are not married or widowed or divorced or what have you how even verses on marriage can still apply we need the spirit of God to give the practical application that we need every part of God's word so that we can grow wiser we can have a practical change in our understanding and we can get to work in what God wants us to do with that verse to make it happen hallelujah Jesus went to certain towns he couldn't make it happen not because he didn't have the power but because he had no cooperation when we cooperate with God we can make it happen God has designed it that way he calls us to be co-heirs with Christ and heirs of God sons of God daughters of God with authority and the authority is granted to those who are sincerely submissive to all the light that they've received may the Lord help us to treat every single proverb perhaps far differently than we ever have slow down and listen and think and let the Holy Spirit help us to apply it practically not simply to get an application because it has to apply somewhere but there's a specific intent of the Spirit of God to make it apply to our lives to the exciting life of a child of God a true disciple of Christ to go to the Word of God and have it always do a marvelous work provided we have faith to take the time to pray and concentrate relying upon the Spirit to show us how to apply yesterday we read the very first proverb in chapter 19 we alluded to how honesty in a poor person is far better than a rich person who's a liar you may think well that's not what the verse says exactly but later on we see poor person with integrity is better than rich person with dishonesty various proverbs to that effect here it says in verse 1 a person who is perverse who effectively is a liar because the hypocritical person the perverse person is living a lie the whole life is a lie and if the tree is bad well the words that come from the tree the fruit are going to be bad if the person is living a lie such as we have lived before we knew the Lord in various ways then the fruit of the life has to be a lie you can't get truth out of a lie it's better to be poor and honest we mentioned yesterday that the world doesn't say that or see it that way at all it's better to be rich whether you're honest or dishonest money is where it's at there are people who have wealth and they make a boast I can get tickets to this or that 
not only by way of being able to afford an expensive ticket to some event or show or ball game, but because of their wealth, as we read in the Proverbs later in this chapter, they make friends. Wealth can draw and attract friends. And those friends can be accessibility to many things. They can mean accessibility. But what's the end result? Whether it's the wealth itself that acquires some great privilege, quote-unquote, or the people who admire the wealth and they're willing to bow down to that wealth and help the wealthy person, what does it matter when the end result is that person is an enemy of God, no matter what they acquire? For one who's a believer and sincere in the Word of God and has a vastly different, transformed life than the life of the world, it may seem to be obvious especially after walking with God for a while. And not too perceptive or penetrating, but when we look at the world, and we look at lukewarm Christians, this is how they live. This is actually what drives them. Notice, it's not only people in the world, but lukewarm believers. Those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but they refuse to part. With their own philosophy, they want Christ, and their own philosophy to mix together, to have some eclectic approach that's a winner in this life and in the world to come. It's impossible. We cannot have our foot in heaven and in the world at the same time. We have to make a choice. As the Lord said, you cannot serve God and money. You can't love both. You love one and hate the other, despise the one or hold on to the other. The Proverbs serve to remind us that it's not something that we can take it for granted that this is the way it is and everybody ought to know it there's a blindness not only to the world but to your relatives to your co-Christians co-ministers who have secret sins and idolatry in their hearts sometimes it's not so secret they will tell you up front I love money as uh, some man said who incidentally has a name with monetary denomination as part of his name. And he went on record to say to the people, a great crowd in a great auditorium, to say, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. This is what he said. To masses of people, dressed well with their Bibles open on their laps, taking notes. He said, I'm not going to lie to you. I want your pocketbook. So God told me you have my money. And so you better sow into my ministry. It's going to bless you. And the people sowed into that quote-unquote ministry. We think how preposterous and how ridiculous. Surely those people are half asleep. No, they're well-educated. A lot of them. They know how to make a good profit. They know how to get by in life, and they're pretty frugal and wise in many things, but they fell prey, and they continue to do so today, to many wolves in sheep's clothing. So it's not so obvious, because when the blindness comes in, 
a person begins to truly think that their twisted way is the correct way. Instead of those who are mentally ill, a certain portion of the population, sadly, they may be functional, very functional today. No one can ever detect that the person has mental illness in some cases. But they actually believe that they are right and the whole world is wrong. We know that's a common symptom of segment of that population. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 that a person who is twisted will actually find fault with the Lord. It should serve as a warning to us that any time we fret against the Lord, we feel uncomfortable being in the same room as the Lord Jesus Christ to hear his words on a particular issue in our lives or behavior or choice, we need to know the Lord's not the one at fault. It's us. We need to quickly repent for that. Because it's the person that is twisted that thinks that he or she has a better way than what God commands. Verse 3. Three in the New Living Translation, Proverbs 19 says, The foolishness of man subverts his way. Actually, it's the Amplified Version. He ruins his affairs, his uh, livelihood, his life, his relationships. It's the foolishness that subverts his way, it twists his way. Because the person is a fool at heart. And what happens? Their heart becomes resentful and frets against the Lord. Can we identify as we apply the verse to points at which in our lives as believers and before we became believers, but especially alarming is when we become believers and we still have problems with what God commands us to do. And we keep on thinking of plan B and alternatives. And we even try to partner with the Lord to say, Lord, I'll do it up to this point, but after that, please let me do it my way. The Bible calls such a person a fool. And again and again, we are called to be wise. Children of wisdom, God is wise. His children, who are truly his children, according to the epistle of John, his seed remains in them, and they do not continue in their folly. Truly, the things that are irritating to us because they're sensitive issues and things that we have a hard time with, especially when it relates and involves others and they're not doing their part. How we can become resentful and say, Lord, I'm not doing it. Nope, not me, because that person did this to me, therefore, Lord, I won't do what you told me to do. Please get them right so that I can do what you want me to do in the relationship. This is exactly what occurs in many, many people's lives, even as we speak. But God exposes, diagnoses us exactly as we truly are so that we can get the remedy. 
we can be horrified at how far we are self-deceived sometimes or not deceived and arrogantly refuse knowing full well that there's going to be punishment and consequences and especially grieving the heart of the Lord such is called idolatry better to say Lord if you come and tell me a certain habit of mine is not right in the sight of God think about this for a moment there are those let me relate this I may have mentioned it before when I was working at this particular health club many years ago I remember seeing a co-worker go to the restroom and come outside without washing his hands I mean did all that he had to do and walked right outside of the restroom without washing the hands not just washing the hands without soap not a drop of water touched his hands he did not go to the sink he walked right outside now he had a nice chain around his neck he was wearing nice cologne nice clothing nice haircut nice sneakers everything was just perfect when I observed that I, I thought to myself how could he do that and I thought how he must be trained at home with a lack of training at home or he refuses even common sense in love for others basic concern for himself and other people <laughs> no doubt carrying a host of germs with him sure enough greet others and shake their hands I relate this example to say this <coughs> there may be even habits such as hygiene and although the Lord cautions us not to be Pharisees worrying about the external more than the internal still it doesn't mean that the Lord condones sloppy habits or things that will cause potential diseases to ourselves and others we think about our lives the Lord can speak to us after giving us a thorough x-ray and speak to us even concerning hygiene because God is a God of wisdom and he wants to bless us and help us not only for our souls but spirit soul and body could there be a habit that can potentially become a lifestyle that just goes against wisdom the question is when the Spirit of God brings it up how will I respond this is a case in point where we can apply that scenario to everything in our lives we may have become conditioned to doing something the same way for a long time maybe lifelong some people like to put their hair in their mouths some parents may tell the children don't do that it's not healthy others bite their fingernails 
And those who are enlightened say don't do that. It's not healthy. But the person, whether child or adult, not speaking about out of nervous habit, although even then they can retrace their steps and say, why am I doing that? Maybe I can work to stopping that if it's not healthy. But especially those who willfully do it, presumptuously, and they know it's not good. That's the state of the human heart. Whenever God speaks to us, either directly or through others, with regards to something that is not good, that can potentially cause damage, we have the capability to just refuse it because of pride. Now, there are those who have no clue that what they're doing can be harmful. There are some things that are not so common sense, depending upon the person. God is very kind, and so should we be. As the Lord has been kind to us, and people have also in our lives, we have to be gentle, but nonetheless, when it has to do with preventing damage, as the Lord leads, speak to the person be willing to listen. We can help them. We can save them. We can help their families. Now we're talking about physical hygiene, but the same can be applied to spiritual hygiene. Relationships. Relationship with God and with people. I tell you the truth. This is exactly what God will do wonderfully to bless us totally, wholesale, re-education, reformation, transformation, so that we're a blessing to people. Now, someone may say, well, there's a minister there, and like the disciples of Jesus, I didn't observe him washing his hands before we, before we sat down to eat. Maybe it's a cultural thing, I don't know. Maybe it's something from his family. Maybe he just doesn't want to wash his hands. How terrible. We can become pharisaical and judge the person, condemn the person, and think we're really smart. God may say, he's wise and you're a fool. Because his heart is in the right place. And he's more concerned about the inside than the outside. We need to understand that God will speak to us exactly the way in which we need correction ourselves. There's a song that says, take a look at yourself, then you can look at others differently by putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Really walking with Jesus will show us what to say, when to say, how to say it. Sometimes the Lord will say, don't say anything at all, you don't know the whole story. Or it's not time, or it's not in your, not for you to say that, it's not your place. Other times, the Lord will say, I want you to say it, but we may be shy. We may say, what does it matter, Lord? It's best just to obey the Lord. But in order for me to obey the Lord, I need to hear him say, for me to do something. I need to walk in the light, so that I can be of help in God's kingdom. I'd like to call your attention to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, and I'd like you to turn there. I'd like someone to read from verse 11 to verse 14, please. Hebrews 5, 
11 to 14. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this is the English Standard Version. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Clearly, this, this section is not speaking of hygiene. But when we look at the preceding verses, we see that it has to do with the comparison and the application of the life of Melchizedek to the superior priestly calling of the Lord Jesus Christ compared to the Old Testament priest. That he is of another order. He's an eternal high priest, the Lord Jesus is. And in connection to that, the writer to the Hebrews says, I have a lot more to share with you about it, but you just can't handle it. In the book of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, Aren't you like babies? I can only give you milk. You're full of envy and bitterness. A lot of fighting going on within yourself and amongst yourself. And you haven't applied what I've taught you. A lot of gaps in your Christian walk by choice. But here the Lord says, like a baby that drinks milk. And it thrives because it's a baby for a set stage, a set portion of time. When the baby is supposed to transition, as human babies, in the physical realm at least, to semi-solid, then to solid, scriptures teach that a baby, spiritually speaking, has to transition to solid food so that the person can grow. Oh be spiritually mature and strong. It says here in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14, that strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have been able to exercise their discerning powers to choose between right and wrong, good and evil. Solid food, as we are receiving 
consistently by the grace of God belongs to those who are ready to receive it. But for those who will be scrambling and mumbling and grumbling over milk, desiring milk, give me more about the basics of salvation. I don't want to think or take time to consider that the Holy Spirit may want to change my physical habits and even help me with my physical hygiene. I really don't care about that. I want to be a missionary to Africa. I want you to teach me and help me look at verses that show me how to go out and do great things like Jesus. The Lord knows what to teach us and the long-term implications of our obedience in that seemingly insignificant detail of our lives even when it comes to our bodies. Further illustration would be a person who would refuse to apply the golden principle, the golden rule, in such a thing as preparing food for a loved one. Whereas they are very keen that they want everything to be tidy and clean. When it comes to another person, they overstep their conscience even in a small detail and think it's negligible, gloss over it, and do not do what they would do for themselves, even in the preparation of the food, because clearly the other person is not worth as much as themselves, even when it comes to that seemingly insignificant detail. The Spirit of God would have great issue with that. Clear violation of the golden rule. What do I do? What do you do when no one's looking? Now, when it comes to society, some of us, maybe most of us, certainly before we came to Christ, maybe even now, would be greatly embarrassed if we were caught grooming ourselves in one way or another. Or caught with a lack of grooming. Why? Because we think in our understanding and what we've learned and by our environment that this is not acceptable socially and it causes me great shame to be not able to be presentable. And as I mentioned before, the person can get so worked up over it that they actually neglect the weightier matters of the law. And they're caught up with the physical appearance. We have to take everything we're hearing and let every part of what we're hearing fall into the right place in our souls. Not mix it up or twist it or ignore it, but to see what God is speaking to help us to have genuine integrity, genuine love for God and for others and for ourselves. And see how lack of integrity and faithfulness in a small area in life 
quote-unquote, as we may see it, can show the Lord that we're not trustworthy. Now again, as the Bible says, even the Proverbs, that there's much increase by the ox, although the crib may be dirty. In other words, a person who likes to have a neat crib, a neat stable, a neat house, don't like to expend any energy, no sweat, no dust lying around, nothing. Would just like everything to be still, motionless, tranquil. Will obviously accumulate not only dirt, but germs. Eventually the whole place will come down. So the Bible says there has to be some expenditure and some sweating. But the end result is there's going to be an increase. May the Spirit of God help us to understand and comprehend what He wants us to understand from His problems. We need to know what the Spirit of God wants us to do, when and how. What He wants us to say, when and how. How He wants us to pay attention to some details sometime that may have spiritual implications and other times he says ignore it, neglect it. Case in point, like the preacher that didn't wash his hand perhaps. Just rescue some souls. Perhaps became absent-minded. Maybe didn't eat for three days. Sat down to eat. Prayed and ate. The word God used to sanctify the food through word and prayer, as the Bible says. All is well with that person, but the Pharisee may be watching and say, oh, he didn't wash his hands. How reprehensible. What a reproach. And against all common sense. Does he not care that we're watching for his own sake? What a bad example for the children sitting around. We may be in the clear wrong at that moment. Meanwhile, the other person presumptuously may refuse when all the convenience the mindfulness is there and they choose not to or they may wash their hands in front of others but not in private you need to understand integrity must go through all the way and the Holy Spirit will know how to help us in what area let me take it a step further with those who are otherwise hygienic in their approach to life, otherwise contribute to the hygiene of others, known family and friends, by example and by sharing some things, may in the midst of their hygienic protocol splash water on their loved one in the bathroom with them using the same sink or another sink nearby. And the other person says, could you please watch yourself spilling water all over me. This person says, I don't know what's wrong with you because it doesn't bother me when you do that to me. Look, I have water all over my feet, my hands, my shoulders, my head, my slippers are wet. I'm fine. 
Why are you getting so worked up over this? What does it matter anyway? You know my heart. I love you. At that moment, when the person knows that it is an inconvenience and irritant for the loved one, that reasoning, rationalization, will not do before the Lord. When something can be done about it. And when there's no other priority at the moment. No other emergency. It's an act of integrity and love to say, if that bothers you, I'm going to change my habit. Even though it doesn't bother me, and I didn't think it would bother you, but now I know. Therefore, I will adjust myself. Wisdom is justified of all her children. I want to promote peace, and I want you to be happy. So much as it lies within me, I will live in peace with all people, according to the scriptures. Even in such a seemingly insignificant detail, love and integrity will prevail. If it actually resides in the other individual to the degree that God wants it to reside there. May the Holy Spirit help us to have love and truth together in one package. Never think that I have the truth, I can be wise, but certain areas I may not be loving, but that's okay because I'm a wise person. There's no such thing as God's wisdom devoid of love. See then the book of James, love is gentle, easy to be entreated, pure, peaceable, full of fruits of righteousness, right living. Saying, Lord, I want you to work the word into me, Lord. Why can't I be like Jesus? That's what he wants us to be like. But it takes the application, Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. Because we take what we hear from the word of God and we say, Lord, there's something to this. And I really want to apply it to my life. What are the areas in which I may not be or may not have paid attention to these things? But now I see it can be a big deal before you, Lord, and before others. Help me to do the right thing. There's a reformation, there's a transformation that happens. Why? Because more of the teaching is given, going from the milk to the solid meat, solid food. And because it's taken and exercised, that's what it means there. It's not merely the ability to digest, which will increase and be enhanced when we put to use, chew on the food that's given, the solid food. The jaw muscles will be strengthened. The stomach internally will be strengthened to receive the solid food. But Hebrews 11 to 14 alludes to more than that. It speaks of actually using it, putting it to use. So it's not only the capacity to digest, but the ability to derive the, nourish, the nutrition of the nourishment, the ability to actually have it stick 
from bones, as it were, where it becomes a part of my practice. That's what it means. By reason of use of the strong meat, the deeper things that we haven't considered before, God is giving more. It's the one who jumps on that and says, Lord, how do I apply it? And Lord, there's a whole lot here, and it seems even contradictory, but I know that you don't contradict yourself. So help me to understand where every part of it should fall in my life so that I can be whole. When it comes to riches, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to position, when it comes to habit and practice, God has a perfect protocol that derives from prudence. And we can become stronger and stronger spiritually, be able to help many, many people in the kingdom as well as those outside. This morning it may seem very peculiar what's been spoken of and about. But I know that the Holy Spirit will help each one to apply it with a gain and an advantage spiritually. As you use it, make application as you seek the Spirit of God to help you. It will help you to be able to gain more and to discern more. The powers of discernment will cause an increase. Notice what it says. To know the difference between good and evil. That means superficial teaching, false teaching, and things that are considered milk by God himself with regards to Bible teaching and sermons. God may well look upon that in many, many places to say, milk is being given and milk is being received, a whole bunch of babies in the house. Baby feeding babies. As the saying goes, babies having babies is not a pleasant sight. Terrible. Babies feeding babies, maybe equally repulsive and damaging. But this is exactly what happens. And what's happening now? God is enabling us to go from the milk to the meat, not just in this sermon, but everything we're receiving. There's a transformation occurring because the sense of right and wrong is becoming heightened. Hallelujah. Whereas before, as we're going to read in the days ahead, Proverbs chapter 20, wine is a mocker. Who would have ever thought that? What has happened when the true teaching comes? When we go from the milk to the meat. Just the beginnings of it. Not very, very tremendously solid meat. But milk has been given so long that it has never come to our understanding that even social drinking is wrong. Even occasional drinking is wrong because it is damaging in one way or another to the total person. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink 
is a brawler. Whoever is mastered by it is not wise. And we see it in so many words in the Proverbs and elsewhere, in the Bible. But because the stronger food is given in comparison to the milk, the sense of right and wrong, the discernment is growing. Similarly to immorality, dancing with the stars, or whatever show there is, I've never watched it, but I've heard so many shows about it, and I know what I've watched growing up many, many, many years ago. Even the innocent sitcoms back in the 80s and 90s, full of foolishness, full of sin. But how would I know? At that time, I was going to a so-called church that was completely liberal in a very negative sense. I don't even know if we're receiving milk there. I didn't know any better. Just a child. Just went there with the family. So, it didn't make a difference. What I watched, as long as it wasn't something very, very lewd and disgusting. It's just a TV show. Everybody's watching it. Everybody loves Raymond. What's wrong with that? Oh, you're too much. You're making me angry. What a zealot and Pharisee and legalistic person. A condemner of all that is good and innocent. When the sensibility is heightened by the Spirit of God to show how the devil has carefully wrapped up his Hershey Kisses with a tinfoil that's so attractive, so tasty, rot my teeth, destroy my liver, my kidneys, by and by, maybe, but the damage is happening. Money is consumed on a regular basis, especially. We need to know we've been so privileged because the Spirit of God is cutting deep into repeatedly with the Word of God all the lies of the devil. And there's a wide variety of application to everything that we're hearing. May God help us to continue to receive that which is more than milk because there's a growth God is looking for and the exercise of discernment to continually see what is good in the sight of the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm concerned with. That's all I want to know. What does God say? And if it seems to contradict everything I've heard before, even from well-meaning Christians and good preachers and pastors and evangelists, my own Christian mind, quote-unquote, I will trash all of that because I know now God is showing me more and I'm going to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You may be ostracized from your Christian circle. You should rejoice and be glad for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. Why? Because you're standing for righteousness. That's where it's at. That's what it means. Everything the Holy Spirit talks about is righteousness. On every level, every degree. May we have integrity and love, humility to receive 
a great eager desire to grow, leave milk and go on to the stronger food, the solid food, and say, Lord, I'm not letting up or giving up. I'm going to chew on this. Oh, yes, hallelujah. And put it to use, practice it, so I can get more from you, Lord. Grow even more. Lord, and be trustworthy and loyal. Father, that I may bring in great dividends to the kingdom by way of harvest of souls and to help others grow. I conclude with this from the first John, the epistle of 1 John. He says, I've written unto you little children. I write unto you young men. I have written unto you fathers. There's a progression and a growth God wants us to have. To be people of integrity and pure. And to go on to be mature, to be able to train other people. In a life of holiness, righteousness, victory. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Through the precious blood of the Lamb, through the Word of God. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have a relatively brief time in the Word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. What you've spoken is what we need. Help us to apply, oh Lord, to be people who have total loyalty to you, total integrity. To have love, the willingness to grow, the desire to grow, and the diligence to grow. We thank you, God, for your precious word. That we have this Bible. We can grow and grow and grow to become very strong disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well-pleasing to you, Lord. Be a beacon, a source of life. In life to many, many people, oh, Father, even those who are Christians around us who we have gone to church with maybe for years, maybe even leaders, to be able to show them the authentic Christian life, life of discipleship to the Lord Jesus by walking in the light exactly as he's in the light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your protection, Lord. Not only myself, but everyone, Father, was to be on the road. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. And I pray, Lord, that everyone, Father, who prays either publicly now or privately would not be distracted or minimize what they've heard particularly from the word today. They would not lose sight of it, but gain from it. Thank you, Father. Jesus' precious name, we thank you. Amen.